0: When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because... He said it to him. Uh, 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 Peter felt heard because he said it. Sorry, I lost my place here. Uh, said it to feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. So I guess it's a... Uh, third week in Lent, basically, um, and we're going to kind of transition to um, uh, away from love, not away, a I guess, but um, uh, from the sermons reflecting on love to kind of get ourselves prepared for Easter and for the Easter season, and as a transition to that, I wanted to return to Jesus's reflections on love, emphasizing it's a classic Lent theme, right, like the necessity of giving yourself up for the kingdom. So uh, after that we'll have a kind of a few weeks uh, setting us up for Easter, and then we'll get back to love uh, with the resurrection. But uh, I don't know you'll have to excuse me for a moment if I picked a scripture that jumps ahead of that Lenten story a little bit to talk about a post-resurrection encounter with Jesus where Jesus and Peter have well, a tough conversation about uh, the character of love. you You might recall in the lead up to our verse for today it's what it's breakfast, right? Uh, uh, and a, a lot of the way that we think about the conversation between Jesus and Peter um, comes from that setup. So the disciples are gathered together on the shores of the Sea of Tiberius, and uh, Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. So everybody gets out in the boat, and they fished all night, and as the, uh, the chapter tells us, they didn't get or pull anything in. So they pull the boat back up to the shore in the twilight of the early dawn, and they recognize or don't quite yet recognize a stranger on the shore. Basically, calls out to him, looks like uh, Yelda never a very good night on the water. Throw your net on the other side. Of course, they throw their net on the other side and they, you know, find this incredible haul of fish. So many that they were basically unable to haul in the net. Now, the beautiful thing about the story to me. Is that it is then, and only then that Peter recognizes that it's Jesus. You know, maybe it just clicks for him. Uh, you know, switch goes off in his head. Maybe he uh, he sees Jesus because of the sudden abundance of fish. You know, he he I don't know. Kind of has this movement within his spirit that recognizes the fruits of following God's commands and the kind of bountiful things that God desires for us. But like Either way, the basic and I think most interesting part of this story is Jesus essentially, and I know they didn't use poles, but he, he reels Peter in and gets him to jump off the boat. So the, the setup for the story really emphasizes this theme that when we encounter Jesus, when we recognize the work of God in abundance and, and we follow through with it with a kind of joyful abandon, uh, we can come to find the fruits of love, uh, not only in our lives, but for the world. And more importantly, um, we can be called to die to ourselves, to be something different than or to be put in places that are different than where we uh, expected to go or to be different than the kind of comforts that we might have imagined in the context of our spiritual life. So the setup for the story kind of emphasizes it. And there's this really weird detail that I hadn't thought about before. So, you know, Peter, this is what's strange to me, I guess, Peter puts on his clothes before he jumps into the water. And, I don't know, it's kind of strange because it wasn't that weird for them to fish naked, which I know Dr. Trey still sometimes, right? Um, And folks at the time were kind of into that sort of thing. I imagine you kind of kept your clothes off because you didn't want to get fish slime all over them or something. But, you know, there's this incredible moment where Peter recognizes that it's Jesus who's been the kind of uh, cause of this big catch. And so he dresses up and he, he jumps into the water. And, you know, the other detail that's kind of interesting is that Uh, It's the same kind of detail that John points out when he says the net doesn't break even though it's so overburdened with fish. The kind of setting of the whole scene is this idea that when he first sees and responds to the face and the person of Jesus and the abundance and generosity of what God offers us, he's prompted to throw himself into Peter, that is, to throw himself into the water and to kind of swim after Jesus with a reckless abandon, the kind of abandon. Uh, that we hope is the product of the conversation that Peter and Jesus are about to have. Because that's, that's what's fascinating. There's this beautiful scene where he throws on his clothes, jumps in the water, swims up to Jesus, and uh, you know, even the other disciples are afraid to say that they uh, you know, uh, don't know that it's Jesus. The text tells us that you know, they uh, were afraid to ask even though they, they know who it was. There's something about this moment that is kind of overwhelming for everybody, except for Jesus, who, I don't know, sits on the shore and uh, stokes up the fire and gets ready to put some breakfast on. Verse 15 says, when they finish breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, who are the these here? There's a kind of hot debate about this in the literature, but I guess there's basically two options. The these can be, do you love me more than the other disciples? Or the these can be, I don't know, the things that surround us in the world. And honestly, for reading this verse, I don't think it really matters for the punchline, that these could be the fish, they could be the disciples, it could be any one of those things. The point is that it's in the context of Peter jumping to the water and rushing to shore to embrace Jesus that Jesus poses for him the basic question of love. And, you know, Simon Peter may well be revved up about the fish and excited about the great catch, and obviously they may be, all be excited to be in the presence of Jesus, but whether it's the fish or the fact that the boys are back together on the band of the Sea of Tiberius doesn't really matter. The point is, there's this like incredible enthusiasm for the appearance of Jesus and for the abundance that it all brings. But the "Do you love me more than these?" is, I think, actually like beautifully, maybe even intentionally, rhetorically vague, and it's going to pose a, a, a out of this moment of kind of connection and intimacy a very tough question for Peter because you know. Peter uh, has made this remarkable show of enthusiasm, jumping into shore, and Jesus is going to use that as this kind of point of contrast for holding him to, to account and getting him to think about the character of his love for the kingdom. That's the question, right? Like the thing that the story suggests to us is: there's, you know, we could do we love the kingdom because it greats, creates for us this kind of joyous intimacy that we have with us and with God. Do we love the kingdom because it creates for us a uh, Abundant spiritual plenitude that might be manifest in a net full of of fish, or Jesus has a kind of another thread there, another thing that is Im, Im, important. And if you have uh, that, that that answers the question of why it is and what it means to love the kingdom. So if you have a, a NIV, or and you look at the uh, section heading, it may say something like Jesus reinstates Peter. Now we're not that far off from Peter. Having denied Jesus. And I think that one of the other things you have to read about this scene is that, of course, the thing that has made Peter so enthusiastic and overwhelmingly excited is that he feels like he's kind of back in the fold again. You know, that, uh, you know, they've seen Jesus a couple of times before this. It's a time to sit down and to, to break bread and to feel like, um, you know, there's a kind of ability to reestablish. Intimacy between Peter and Jesus, and that I imagine that was one of the biggest things that animated Peter's excitement, is that he felt like once again he could be back in the presence of, and uh, in the in the good graces of of Jesus, and, and maybe that's why Peter loves this little slice of kingdom communion. Those are all good reasons to love the kingdom, but here's the thing: the conversation that is about to take place demonstrates that it's not that sense of intimacy, or not that sense of the potential abundance of the kingdom or even the idea of being included back in the fold that is the thing that jesus wants from peter so they have this conversation that it it, it's a it's a tough conversation and you may have um you know uh heard uh uh, folks talk about this verse before but one of the most i think powerful things about it is this is one of those instances yet again where you really got to look carefully at the Greek, the way this is translated in the English, I think, might cause us to completely miss the point. So Jesus says to him, very pointedly, Simon Peter, do you agape me more than these? Of course, Simon Peter responds back. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But it, that's not what the Greek says. The Greek literally says, yes, Lord, you know, but where there's odios, it's like you're aware of the fact, like, well, of course you've been informed. That I philos you. Different word for love. The response is, the ask, is it, is, is it agape? The response is, yes, you're aware of the fact that I philos you. And how does Jesus reply? Simply, feed my sheep. But then he's not done. So Jesus looks at him a second time and says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he gets the same reply. Yes, Lord, you know that I philos you. So Jesus answers him only slightly differently. Be a shepherd to my sheep. And the text goes to like great points here, uh, great pains here to point out that Jesus asks a third time. But, you know, and it, it, maybe it, it shouldn't be surprising, but it's sad for us to hear, you know, Jesus's three asks here obviously had a certain emotional significance for Peter because of the, on account of the denying three times. I don't know, you know, if that's a part of Jesus's, strategy in in this conversation with Peter. But, you know, it certainly explains why Peter might well be hurt by the third ask. But here's what's really interesting. The third time Jesus asks the question, Jesus changes his verb for love. So the third time Jesus says, Peter, do you philos me? Now, I think that's significant. You may recall from our conversations about agape and philos. Agape is this kind of Sense of uh, giving up oneself and putting the good of the other person first, whereas philos is kind of friendly familiarity with or knowing some stuff about someone in a way that has a kind of more than just chummy, but you know, jovial, mutually. Uh, I don't know, uh, not quite edifying, uh, but enjoyable relationship. And so this third time, philos is kind of that more friendship love. Jesus changes the question from "Do you agape me?" to Peter. Do you philos me? Now, why? Why does Jesus ask it differently the third time? And I think the only way to read it is to say that Jesus has taken Peter's word philos and thrown it back at him to challenge him a little bit. And he wants to challenge him a little bit. I don't know. I think the way that I translate it, where I'm doing the translation on it is Jesus essentially looks back at Peter and says, given that Peter's misunderstood the question Twice, Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, do you even phelos me? Because I asked you twice if you agape me. And you keep answering that you phelos me. Well, if you have this kind of friendly familiarity with me, if you see me as your friend, you'd at least listen to me, hear what I'm saying, and answer the question differently. But the point is, you know what? It doesn't matter. Because what's the important thing on Jesus' mind in the answer answer to the third question, whether it's phelos or agape? Feed my sheep. The connection here is not, uh, that might be that agape, and certainly as we read the end, it implies that agape is about a willingness to sacrifice oneself for the object of love, where philos is basically about the benefits that you get from friendship. So when Jesus says, do you agape me? He is asking, are you willing to lay down your life for the sake of advancing the kingdom and to put the kingdom over yourself. To agape Jesus is to seek the good of the kingdom in a way that isn't dependent on the question of what it does for you or where it puts you or how it directs you. Whereas, philos is, I mean, you know, Peter, I can see why Peter wants philos. He's denied Jesus three times, right? And like, he wants to feel like maybe there's not this heavy burden of agape Jesus, but just to know that he's back in the fold with Jesus. And Jesus is having this conversation with him and, of course, implicitly reminding him about denying him three times because he wants more out of Peter. He's not saying he doesn't want Peter to philos him. Of course, he, in some sense, wants Peter to be his his friend, but he wants a more radical commitment from him. And it requires words that are sharp. It requires him to kind of take that question the third time and throw his philos word back at him and ask, do you even philos me if you're not hearing me? Because... Agape is not only fulfilled by the necessity of sacrificing in love, but agape, as we talked about for a while back, is also fulfilled by the idea that you put the good of the whole and of the other person first, that you are in common. And remember that thing about koine, that you are oriented towards the uh, radical commitment to the good of the others, whether it requires you to sacrifice yourself or not. And that's what Jesus is asking for. From Peter, And Peter's expectation is it's about becoming chummy again. It's about not feeling guilty again. But Jesus is essentially saying to him, Peter, that doesn't matter too much to me right now. What I need from you is a radical commitment to loving the kingdom and defeating my sheep. And there's a lesson here about love, I think, in Jesus' back and forth with Peter over agape and over philos. Love is not just about closeness to someone. It's not just about adhering to the norms that come about when we're friendly or familiar some someone with someone in fact jesus is doing something that is kind of unfriendly he's trolling peter a little bit to get him to understand that the love that he calls for is bigger than a simple intimacy, is bigger than just a connection. Jesus is calling for Peter to feed his lambs regardless of how Peter thinks about the relationship between himself and Jesus, regardless of how he thinks about whether or not he belongs in the crew. Jesus is getting him to see that to commit to agapeing someone means that it isn't about your sense of feelings, your sense of inclusion, or your sense of belonging. Of course those things are good things to want, but rather the question, and is not how we feel, but do we act in a way that feeds and sustains the kingdom? Do we act in a way that is willing to throw away our own benefit for the sake of doing what is right by God's lambs? Do we act in a way that opens us to being radically transformed and taken wherever it is that Jesus desires to take us. And Jesus has this conversation with Peter and even says some words that might be potentially sharp or hurtful to him because Jesus needs Peter to fully realize that it's not just about him, but instead it's about putting the good of the body first. Peter's swept up in this moment. He jumps out of the boat, throws on his clothes, and swims back to the... Beach, as fast as he can, I imagine, because he wants to know that everything is okay between him and Jesus. And Jesus challenges him on it and says, look, the point of love is that you abandon your own sense of rightness. You abandon your own sense of even intimacy with God. You abandon your own sense of connection, not because those things aren't important, but you can't let anything stand in the way in the character of agape, of fully and completely giving yourself over to seeking the good of the other and not your own. Imagine how deep And radical and beautiful, that vision of love that Jesus is calling Peter to. Are you doing the concrete work that the kingdom demands? And of course, it's important that you feel connected. And of course, Peter, it's important that you feel comfortable. And of course, I'm happy to welcome you back and feed you some fish. But the main question, Peter, that Jesus asks uh, that Peter ought to think about is, is he doing the work of feeding and sustaining and growing the kingdom? Here we have a version of love, as Jesus understands it, that doesn't always necessarily feel nice. It didn't feel nice for Peter, but it's right. Love doesn't always do what we expect it to do, but it's a new law for us. Our or Peter's comfortability with God is not the primary concern here. Of course it's important to feel connected to God. Of course it's important for us to feel a feeling of connection to one another. But the question that Jesus is constantly throwing back on Peter is, do you love me in a way that causes you to sacrifice for and to give yourself up for my sheep? Verses 18 and 19 say, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said after him, after he said this, he said to him, follow me. Fishing and death. We're back to fishing, isn't it? Peter is the one who has been reeled in by Jesus, and Peter is the one who has been changed in an encounter for Jesus and put towards the task of feeding others. Fishing and death is what love looks like here in its ultimate form. Just like the fish in the net or that disciple swimming to shore, Jesus' love not only calls us in, but compels us to go places where we did not imagine we would go or we did not think that we would want to go in the name of pursuing the kingdom. And before we met him, we'd hitch up our belts and go where we wanted, but after you meet him, you're going to be reeled in and taken places. And for Peter, the place where he will be taken in following Jesus will have him sharing a cross of his own for the kingdom. When, you know, you're taken to a place that I imagine that, Peter's taken to a place that I imagine he would not want to go, but it is one that Jesus calls him to and asking simply and directly, follow me. And to follow him is to feed his sheep and to become a shepherd and even to be willing to die for the sake of the truth that is the love of God's kingdom. And just like Peter, we know we may deny him in the process, we may encounter our own moments where it's easier for us to deny the call or where we misunderstand the love that we're called to. It may be easy for us to focus on feeding ourselves and easier to do that than it is to follow him and feed his lambs. But we know, the beautiful thing is we know that he'll be waiting for us on the shore, fish on the fire, ready to ask if we too, once again, agape him. And he knows we may falter. He knows we may fail but he is already to ask, always ready to ask of us, truly and completely and fully to love him and to follow him so that we might more effectively love the world that he has made for us. Amen. Questions or talk?